You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock on our app, on TuneIn Radio, and online at acaville.org. At the top of the hour this hour, Home Free is wrapping up their Timeless Tour, but only to go right back out on the road for their Christmas Tour. This is their third annual Christmas Tour. The Christmas Tour kicks off on Saturday, November 24th, right after Thanksgiving at Harrah's Resort in Atlantic City, New Jersey. From there, they'll crisscross across the United States and end up in Phoenix, Arizona on Monday, December 31st. For tickets, please go to homefreemusic.com tour. Tickets are going fast as the show in Wausau, Wisconsin on Saturday, December 22nd is already sold out. While you're on their site, you can download or stream or watch their latest single, Finally Free. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella. I'm your host, John Lampus, here on Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. Today, I am joined by Brian Alexander, someone who has a ton of acapella experience when he sent it to me in an email it couldn't fit on one page so i'm super lucky to have him on the show brian thank you so much for coming on tacapella today yeah thanks for having me i'm really excited to be here today absolutely so uh brian let's just dive in tell us uh who you are what you do your acapella history acapella background and just you know give us give us your story yeah, so to get some of the basics out of the way, I'm a 27-year-old uh, native Texan, uh, now living in Utah, uh, so that's a long story, but just kind of growing up, I went to the University of North Texas, graduated back in 2012. While there, I started a acapella group with my college roommate at the time, and uh, the group is still going strong. They're called the Green Tone, so they've done some ICCA stuff, uh, done some uh, events outside of the state of Texas, and uh, so that was really fun, cool. Um, outside of that, man, I'm just really, I'm probably the most involved guy in acapella that you've never heard of, to be honest. <laughs> and and so uh, right now, I'm currently the community director of College Aka. And so they're a website and, you know, social media channels devoted to promoting all things collegiate acapella based. So uh, we do everything from promoting group videos to all the breaking stories in college acapella to uh, mm-hmm. even a live video series called Aka Live. So that's really awesome. And then even further outside of that, I, you know, I just sing in a few uh, groups. So I'm currently involved in a group, a uh, semi-pro group up here in Utah that I started. Uh, they're called Inversion. So I love nice. singing. I love talking about acapella. You know, I, I also write about acapella with the recording acapella review mm-hmm. board. And, um, you know, so I do that kind of things. And, you know, outside of the uh, acapella world, you know, the less cool stuff, I'm a marketing <laughs> manager. And then I also uh, very active. I like to run races and work out and do all that kind of stuff to stay healthy. Boom. Awesome. Thanks. That was the most concise and I think well put, uh, you know, just snapshot I've gotten on this show. So thank you very much. So sweet. Let's let's dive in. So, okay. You founded the Green Tones, which I have heard before, and it's at University of North Texas, correct? Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've definitely heard of them and listened to their stuff many times before. So, for people who've listened to the show, they know I founded uh, two acapella groups: the Timbermen at the University of Puget Sound, the Mountain Horns at Colorado State University. Both, you know, nice. they're not uh, they're not well known groups by any means, but they serve the campus community and they're fun. So, I'd love to talk about just what it's like founding a group. That's something that's been discussed on uh, the show before, but every time. 
I hear about someone founding a group, it's always a different story. There's always something unique about it. And uh, I, I mean, I love founding groups. I think it's super fun. And I'd love to just hear the story. How did you found the Green Tones? Well, it's kind of crazy because I, in high school, I did all the, you know, the typical choir stuff, the mm-hmm. jazz choir, yeah. the mixed choir and stuff like that. So um, that kind of piqued my interest initially. And then with a few friends uh, from those choirs, uh, we kind of did a little small four four part men singing, you know, mm-hmm. voice to men, but not as good as them. <laughs> uh, and so that kind of fueled the interest in it. And then it was actually, I think, in, I forget if it was my junior or senior college, I was on YouTube and looking up new songs to sing and I came across For the Longest Time by uh, <laughs> On the Rocks from the University yeah. of Oregon, uh, which is one of my favorite, all-time favorite groups. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not sure why it excited me so much, but once they started adding beatbox into, <laughs> beatbox yeah. into the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, what What are they doing? You know, do groups even do stuff like that? And that led me down a very dark tunnel of discovering about 500 other acapella groups. And I was like, I got to do that. You know, as soon as I get to college, if there's not a group, I'm starting a group. If there is a group, I'm going to pay them so I can get in the group. And <laughs> and so that's what kind of how everything got started uh, initially. But as to the formation of the group, mm-hmm. um, man, I've I met a bunch of the members in the most random of places. And I can go into depth about that. But the guy who really helped to get the group off the ground with me, who co-founded the group, was my roommate that year. It was a guy named Trent Bynum. So we co-founded the group. Uh, we got paired up as roommates and, you know, we got to talk in and as we learned more about each other, we found out, hey, you did musicals in high school. I did choirs in high school. You know, we both want to continue mm-hmm. singing. Why don't we start a group? And so yeah. we were like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and so, you know, under typical circumstances, that wouldn't be, you know, too big of a deal. You know, let me get a group started. Let me mm-hmm. fill in, go to the student activities office, put in the paperwork. It was a little bit more trickier for us coming since we were at one of the, uh, the country's biggest music schools. So yeah. uh, for those who don't know anything about Un- University of North Texas, it is uh, one of the top jazz programs in the entire country mm-hmm. and just an all around great music school. And so with that kind of recognition attached to it, um, they really don't like for groups to kind of formulate outside of their music program. Yeah. And so it, we've we had the most difficult time just getting any kind of support really from the university, um, mainly from the music department. You know, you think that they'd be interested in helping people further the arts, you know, bring some more recognition their way, especially with, um, you know, college acapella. Of course, it's big at that time, but it's yeah. it was still growing at that time back in mm-hmm. 2008. And so, you know, we reached out to a few uh, music professors and faculty members and no one was really buying into what we were trying to develop. Really? And so, yeah, it was it was extremely <sighs> tough. And so, you know, that that was kind of a minor setback at the time. But, mm-hmm. you know, we were like, hey, we're committed. We're going to get this going. Mm-hmm. And so we went to the student activities office, figured out all the things you needed in order to be an established organization, which it really wasn't that much at the end of the day. You need all your uh, members to be, you know, full time or at least part time yeah. students. Um, you need a faculty member just to kind of mm-hmm. sign off on documents. And then, you know, everything else pretty much just fell underneath that. Mm-hmm. And so the hardest, the most difficult part of that was just finding a faculty member. Well, luckily for us, we were able to steal away some of the the music major kids from, you know, the organized choirs and things because mm-hmm. it wasn't a part of what they had to do. 
typically. So we were able to convince a few of those guys, hey, we're starting a nice. new group. Be the be the first people in the group. Come help <laughs> us out with this. And so I was like, yeah, let's try it out. And we were like, okay, well, in order to make this happen, we got to find a faculty member. And it just so happened one of the guys who joined our group, his voice teacher was on the UNT's uh, music program faculty. Mm, there you go. And so – we literally went to him and was like, hey, we want to start a group. Um, you literally have to do nothing but sign your name <laughs> to this piece of paper. There's no money involved. You don't have to come to any meetings. We just need to come to you once a semester and have you sign this document saying, hey, these guys aren't doing anything illegal and they just want to sing some music. <laughs> <laughs> and so that kind of began the process of the Green Tones. And uh, mm -hmm. after that, man, everything else was just a whirlwind of what, what was to follow. Yeah, I mean, that's... That, that, that definitely took a turn. I wasn't expecting the idea of, you know, faculty not being super supportive. I was lucky when I got to my undergrad at the University of Puget Sound, there were already three groups on campus. So the idea of getting a fourth, no one really cared, which in one way uh -huh. was kind of like, yeah, no one was like super interested, but no one was against it. So, um, yeah. but definitely something that I hear come up quite a bit. And this was the case for my co-musical director, my senior year, when he was at the University of Washington, there was definitely, um, like you said, a lot of, you know, classically trained faculty who see, who often see acapella as a competitor to the music ensembles and sometimes, and in some forms it can be, um, and then the other thing is just like the idea of, well, it's not high classical art. You're not singing, you know, Puccini or Mozart. So why should we <laughs> sign off on this? Which in my exactly. opinion, yeah, which in my opinion is just a very flawed idea because often, uh, you know, acapella can get people involved in other kinds of group singing. I've seen people uh, join acapella groups, then go into choir because they just realize they like singing as a whole and they want to learn more and the two can learn both the classical choir tradition and acapella both learn a lot from each other and so i i think that's really interesting like what were i'm curious what were some of the things that uh the uh other faculty members told you and about their resistance to wanting to sign off on your group or give them support um i think the biggest thing and i think you started to hit on that is well you're taking some of our students who have scholarships or who came specifically to the university mm -hmm. to yeah. be a part of this music program away in some aspect from um, mm -hmm. I guess their day-to-day -day activities and with our group, you know, we met I guess six hours a week broke that over the course of three different days mm -hmm. But by no means was it any way conflicting with uh, yeah. students workload or homework or things like that It was just another student activity just a way to get involved So that was really the biggest thing, you know, they didn't give us a lot of you know, hey, we're worried about you guys defacing the name of the university if you're not good enough or yeah. anything like that. That was that never came up. It was just That's simply good. you're taking away musicians from us. Yeah, and I've seen that. I've seen the idea of. I mean, you know, being music majors, it's a lot of uh, you know time. Time management is a scary thing. So, uh, you know, having been a music major, I can understand the apprehension of okay, it's just one more thing to. Uh, possibly vocally fatigue someone or just take more time out of their day. But often, I mean, right. the thing that comes to my mind is like, hey, we're in college. We're going to be adults here pretty soon. We're, you know, we're in the pre-adult phase and we have to learn what's right. Each each person knows what's right for them. I knew that my sophomore year when I was really dealing with um, lots of acid reflux, it probably wouldn't have been a good idea for me to be in an acapella group. So I waited till my junior year to found it. Um, and... I just feel like the that that notion of well you're taking away time 
you know, that's I feel like that's just down to the individual. I know people who are like swamped who are doing every possible thing and they're still in the acapella groups and that that doesn't like mean their classical recital is any worse. And I think the idea of these two um activities, classical, um, you know, the established classical Western art tradition versus acapella being in conflict. It's just, I feel like for the most part, uh, people are much more accepting faculty members today at lots of different schools are becoming more accepting of it with the rise of pentatonics and pitch perfect. And oh, the yeah, other, definitely. yeah, cause they see like, Oh, Hey, this is like a really, uh, relevant art form in pop culture now. And to just say, no, you can't do it because of time. Well, the the only part of that that I kind of understand is if you're doing like two groups, two acapella groups plus a bunch of choirs. I'd seen that before, and uh, I often found the students who did that. And maybe this was just how my university worked and how uh, you know schedules ended up laying out. But the people who did two groups generally were pretty stretched, pretty thin. But it still did not affect their um, like their participation in choir, their participation in voice lessons. So um, right, there, there's and, a little. And- Oh, sorry. Keep going. Yeah. Oh, no. I was going to say, yeah, and I agree completely. I, and to give you two quick examples. Yeah. So we we had two members that come right off the top of my head that fit into this whole, you know, how do you find that right balance? Mm-hmm. So one of the guys came in, I guess it was maybe my third year in the group, third or fourth, I forget. But he was came in as a vocal uh, performance major. Mm-hmm. And he was involved with the top choirs in the, the university. There was a, you know, the classical acapella yeah. um, course that, you know, the university sponsors. And then he was also in some kind of a minor group as well. And he had a full load and came in audition for the group. One of the most phenomenal singers, which makes sense why he was so busy. But mm-hmm. there came, I guess, a point I think after a few months, I think we had him maybe for a little over a semester, and he was like, "Hey guys, my he came to approach the group. My my schedule's getting crazy. I love singing in this acapella group, but at the same time, there are some other commitments that I have, and you know, unfortunately, my parents are kind of making me, you know, Oof. choose and." think about all all the things that I'm doing. And I think this is one of the things I have to give up, which we were completely understanding to him. And that was one of those moments. Hey, you're making life uh, adult life decisions right now. Mm -hmm. So he approached us respectfully and it was great. And so we had him for that time and it was wonderful. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we we look at another guy who ended up to be one of the most uh, involved guys in our group. He came in the second year of the group's creation. And this guy was vocal jazz major, had Mm -hmm. a band on the side, (laughs) um, was doing everything. Like he like records, uh, albums and other stuff outside of the university. And this guy came in and man, he eventually went on to become like the music major for his last three years of the group, helped us produce our first album. And, you know, it was just about him, you know, he found that time because he wanted to make the time yeah. for it. And um, you just look at how busy his life was. And it's just one of those things, acapellas, uh, acapella, getting involved with that thing. You know, you know, how much how committed are you? How much are you willing to invest in it at the end of the day? Absolutely. And this and that leads right into the next question that I was going to ask you, because um, uh, what do you call it? Having, um, you know, I mentioned starting two groups and I found um, so I was in my first group, Timbermen, for four semesters, the last four semesters, or five, five semesters of my uh, undergraduate career. And then I've started um, my current group, the Mountain Horns, uh, at grad school at Colorado State, and that's just had one semester. And what I have found 
is, and I'm, I'm really curious having, because this is a perspective you only really get if you're like one of the first people in the group or a founder, is do you think that, and, and for sure this kind of depends on how um, you know committed each member is and each individual person, but I have found that um, members tend to be more committed or more on top of you know, learning their music and getting everything in order if they auditioned for the group as opposed to being asked to join. And that was something, Ooh. yeah, and I'm sure that, I know, I know. And uh, yeah. I, for this past semester at Mountain Horns, you know, we had great singers, but uh, one of them auditioned, but even then he like, you know, kind of auditioned. We just, it was just between him and someone else. And uh, everyone else, um, I just asked to join. And there was definitely a lack of commitment. There was a lack of making time. There was yeah. a lack of being organized. And that was kind of similar to my first semester uh, in my undergrad group in Timberman. But I found, honestly, after all the original members had graduated or left and the people uh, the people who auditioned for the group and got in, those were the ones who were really committed and on top of their stuff. Um, and this is a big generalization. That just seeing that twice with these two groups, both at very different schools, very different uh, kinds of people, I, I'm curious if you've seen that anywhere else or in your groups. Oh man, you are perfectly describing our very first year of yep, the group. There it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you hit it right on the the hell head with that one. So our <laughs> first year of the group, when we started out, like I said, it it kind of the the group, the basically uh, word got around that there was a group starting, and that kind of brought in, I guess, about five or six. I guess, key members. And then we kind of went out and I'm like, okay, we got a few people. Let's go and get even more people. So I think by the end of the first semester, like this was having no auditions, just letting pretty mm -hmm. much whoever had the time for the group and who could actually hold a pitch and carry a yeah. tune come into the group. And I think we ended up with maybe about 20 members Whoa. by the end of that first semester, which is crazy. Now that I look back, I'm like, we should have never allowed that to begin <laughs> with. Um, but then we look at the end of that first full school year in the spring, and I think we ended with somewhere maybe around 10 members. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so there was, that was the big thing. You know, we were just taking people. We weren't really trying to find committed singers. And, you know, they didn't have to audition for the group. So there was real no no major investment on mm -hmm. how they got into the group. You yeah. know, it was yep, just yep, yep. something that they were doing at the time. And then so and that's when we started holding auditions that second semester, which is when the group actually started to get a little bit more structure to it. Yeah. And I think when you when you look at that, there's there's pros and cons to both, you know, just welcoming people and then having auditions. You know, I till this day, I always say from now on, you got to have auditions. You yep. know, if you want the best, most talented singers, that's the, the easiest way to find them is just through auditions. Uh, but at the same time, some of our core members who stayed in the group from four years were of that initial batch that we just found not even from auditioning. Mm -hmm. So it, it comes down to you're going to get committed people no matter what, whether you just welcome and welcome them in or you audition. Um, because I look at the group after I left and after the original founding members left and they went through that flux where it, like the group started the quality, not so much in the singers, but in their production mm -hmm. and what they were outputting just started to dip. It didn't seem like there was that love of the group there still. Mm -hmm. And that was to be expected, you know, the people who created it left yeah. at the end of the day. And so um, it's just about finding the right people in the, at the end of the day, whether it's through auditions or word of mouth. Um, there are some people that I've 
easily want to be a part of the group. And once we started doing the whole audition aspect and they had to go through the initial phase, they didn't make it just because, mm-hmm. you know, it has to be, you know, majority rule. The whole group has to be into it. But if we had let them into the group before that audition aspect, I think they could have been valuable. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's at the end of the day, it's a double edged sword on how you approach that. Um, yeah, totally. Like I said, find, find the right people. And then just to even go further beyond that, realize that it's that 80 20 rule you know 20 percent of the group is going to do about 80 percent of the work mm-hmm. at the end of the day at least that's been my perspective um there are always going to be people who just want to come in and sing and they might not want to take a leadership role or they might not want to be treasurer or do stuff like mm-hmm. that some everyone's priorities for singing in the group will always be different and you have to find the way to cater best to that in order to ensure the longe- longevity of the group yeah i think you touch on a really important kind of um dichotomy to the whole thing because there's one side is um you know the people who start the group who are like this is our baby this is something we've created you know they want to be really invested in they want to put and they want to make sure it's all going but then the other half the other part is okay well if they're asked to join and they help create it um do um what do you call it if they're asked to join do they feel like it's something they've earned as opposed to something that they just could do? And then it, and I don't think that means like if I ask someone, when I ask people to join my group, I don't think they viewed it as like a lesser group by any means, but I think in like subconsciously there was this idea of, well, I was good enough to get in just by my talent alone and not even really having to audition. So how, like how valuable is this? Whereas, and I would see these people who would, you know, I mean, they were all great singers and, but when it came to not even, they were all great musicians too. Um, they could sight read through the stuff, but when it came to the logistical stuff, making sure they were at rehearsal, like always on time, making sure they knew when rehearsal was and having it scheduled in that Mm -hmm. stuff was not at the forefront of their mind, the scheduling stuff that makes a group like actually function. Whereas for the, uh, classical choral ensembles and yes, these were their majors, but, uh, classical choral ensembles was what they were doing in their major, but they were they were always showing up on time for that. They didn't miss rehearsal for that. So it's this sense of okay, it's my if someone comes in and I ask them to join, they think okay, this is my group, but it's also my group. Meaning maybe I don't need to put in one hundred percent all the time. The, I, I really like that eighty right. twenty rule. So that was something that I thought may have just been a University of Puget Sound thing in undergrad, but <laughs> experiencing it for a second time very vividly, I was like. This seems uncomfortably familiar. And, you know, I'm I'm actually the only returning member for this next year because people graduated and they had and some had conflicting commitments. And okay. so all the new members for Mountain Hordes this upcoming year um, are going to be auditioned. So I'm kind and I don't think that's going to be a terrible thing. I think seeing it as they it's something they earned while well, I wish I did still have and I'm trying to see if there's someone who can just kind of start the year off with me who I know is good enough and doesn't have to audition um there is definitely part of me is like well I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be uh pretty committed if they audition mm-hmm. for the group just based on my experience so I, I think a lot of the stuff it, it's it's good to know this is a not an uncommon uh phenomenon among first no. semester groups yeah it's, it's very common and to you uh, as being the sole returning member, man, I props to that because that's a struggle. It, I've, I never had to go through a moment where I didn't have at least one person yeah. that I could rely on to kind of help with that process. So it's, it's a struggle. I understand. Yeah. And I'm, 
I have someone who auditioned for the group in um for our, for our last spot that was sort of auditioned and he was going to do it, but then he's left school actually. So I'm kind of like I we do have. Uh, and it's an all tenor bass group. We do have a female officer, but she's not singing in the group. So I do have someone still kind of on my side in the whole organization. But part of me is like, well, if there's only one returning member, how, um, you know, I think uh, a common thing I talk about on the show a lot is the idea of acapella groups being real and people, cause if it's student run, uh, people get this idea of, Oh, it could fall apart really easily. If like the leader just doesn't show up one day or whatever. And for me, yeah. it's this kind of, okay, if people are auditioning and they only see one returning member, how real will it be to them? Will they, even if they audition and they get in, will they feel that it is a real like solid and organization with structure if there's only one returning member? So it's kind of, that's right. why I'm trying to get one more person to kind of balance that out. But you know, groups, groups will face this. You will have one person returning or I've never seen a group where everyone graduates. I don't know what happens then. I, <laughs> that's the end. But um, yeah. these kind of member issues that can arise in terms of commitment, in terms of just being present. I'm, it's comforting to know that it's not, it's not specific to the groups I start, frankly. No, it's definitely, it's, it's everywhere, uh, to be honest. And yeah. so, I don't know. You, you do the best you can with some of those situations. Yeah. Like I said, the, the fact that you have, whether they're non-singing members or, um, you know, singing members, we actually had one guy, he was, a uh, he was actually dating one of the original founding members of the group, uh, for <laughs> our group. And it, it's crazy because, um, I'm like, he, he, he's developed a more of a singing voice now, but when he first was introduced to the group, he was, he was never like a full, singing member but we mm -hmm. always considered him a member of the group because he was more like our business manager at yeah. times we that's kind of the way we used him and uh he helped us promote events and uh there was one cool story where he actually went in front of the university and got us some money for some of our Ooh, events that nice. we were working on and so yeah it, like i said if you could have that person just anyone just to kind of help out maybe it's even that person who developed some artwork for yeah for one or something like that it it goes a long way in the end i agree if it looks if it like how i kind of think of it is like if i went into a, if i went to a new school and i auditioned and i'm sitting in the audition room and there's only one person there i would have been like did you just like come up with this idea like last <laughs> yeah. week and decide to just like do it was this a group beforehand so but like the thing I talk about a lot is, um, like you said, artwork, actually. Like, I always want to get the logo for my group down really quickly because then it's like, hey, here's a visual representation of the identity of the group. And people, just anyone sees that and they're like, oh, look, it's a real group. They have a logo. Um, so I, I think that point is, um, I think you make a really strong point there. So actually, we're going to take a quick break. We are going to listen to a tune Brian picked out. We're going to listen to the Green Tones actually perform uh, Bottoms Up. Uh, we're going to take a quick listen to that. I'm John Lampus. I've been talking with Brian Alexander today all about pretty much everything acapella. Super fun episode, and we have some more fun stuff coming up, and we are going to be right back here on Tacapella. It's Mr. Steer Your Girl. It's Mr. Steer Your Girl. Great tones. They ain't ready. <laughs> Let's go. Bottoms up, bottoms up. Hey, what's in your cup? Got a couple bottles, but a couple ain't enough Bottoms up, bottoms up, throw your hands up Tell security, we about to tear this club up Bottoms up, bottoms up, pockets full of green Girl, you know I love the way you shake it in them jeans Bottoms up, bottoms up, throw your hands up Bottoms up, 
If I go get these bottles, we go I'll go all insane. All the girls, do you hear me? All around the world, city to city. Cheers to the girl, don't lose to the guy. Now I got a chicken and a deuce in her eye, get loose in her eye. Hey, the chicken, move, 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 move to the side. Bottoms up, bottoms up. Hey, what's in your cup? Got a couple bottles, but a couple ain't enough. Bottoms up, bottoms up. Throw your hands up. Test security, we about to tear this club up. Bottoms up, bottoms up. Pockets full of green. Girl, you know I love the way you shake it in them jeans. Bottoms up, bottoms up. Throw your hands up. Bottoms up, bottoms up, bottoms up. Let me tell you. My vision's blurred. My words blurred. Get jam packed. I'm million girl. But I ain't trying to leave though. But just to let me be your alcohol hero. Calling all the girls. Do you hear me? All around the world. City to city. Cheers to the girl, no deuce to the guy. Now I got chicken and a deuce in the ride. Getting loose in the ride. Hey, did you can move, 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 move to the side. Bottoms up, bottoms up. Hey, what's in your cup? Got a couple bottles, but a couple ain't enough. Bottoms up, bottoms up. Throw your hands up. Test security, we about to tear this club up. Bottoms up, bottoms up. Pockets full of green. Girl, you know I love the way you shake it in them jeans. Bottoms up, bottoms up. Throw your hands up. Bottoms up, bottoms up, bottoms up. Let's go. Can I get that chum? Can I get that remedy? Can I get that cup? Can I get that handy? Can I get that margarita on the rock, rock, rock? Can I get some all around that rim, 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 rim tray? I was like, yo, Trey, do you think you could buy me a bottle of rose? Okay, let's get it on. I'm on the bad chick, keys to the friends. I don't say hi, say keys to the bins. Keys to the bins, keys to the bins. Yeah, that's right, yo, keys to the tin. If it's your turn to get cute, I'm a stopper. Throw a lot of money in it, then you'll stop her. Stop her, stop her, then you'll stop her. Then I'm gonna go my little singer. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm really such a lady. I rep green tone, you know, crispy, baby. And we be doing donuts while we wave in the 380. We give a lot of money to the babies out in Haiti. Yelling all around the world. Listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. And welcome back to Acapella. Ooh, nice. Half of, like I feel like I spend too much time on the show devoting to like <laughs> commenting on people's radio voices. Like, good job each time. So, um, <laughs> if you're just joining us, I'm talking with uh, Brian Alexander today, just about kind of whatever we want in regards to acapella, and we're just taking it 
where we uh where it goes so i'm i'm super i'm having a great time here uh so something that uh we were talking about on the first part was talking about uh group members and uh motivations and uh starting a new group and whatnot and something that uh i'm uh that i've been thinking about recently that i'm i'm brian and i are going to discuss is and uh i've never really made this a political show it's an acapella show so you don't really you you know, politics are generally pretty far from it, as I think they should be on this kind of show. But I think there is an intersection here in that I, um, as I mentioned, I'm the only returning member for my group this next year. Hopefully that'll change, but we'll see. Uh, and I was looking at some members or some potential members who had uh, expressed interest in the group who uh, I know are very good singers. Like one has like perfect pitch. He's an accompanist, like all these very impressive things. And I was like, oh, this is someone I want in my group. But I, you know, I did a little Facebook stalking. I won't deny that. And uh, I've never hidden the fact that I am very socially liberal and uh, pretty in the middle on fiscal policies. But I'm looking on this guy's Facebook and it's a lot of, um, you know, very right wing stuff. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with uh, being right wing, but to the point where it was like border, it was kind of discriminatory in terms of like towards transgender people people of color uh lgbt and it wasn't just like you know flat out i, I there was you know i think it was mainly just like breitbart articles and stuff like that but just some you know those viewpoints that get a little too close to just flat out discrimination for my comfort and you know one argument would be well anyone of any viewpoint should be able to join a group and idealistically that's a great idea but if someone's viewpoint is that you don't like another person because of how they look or who they love or whatnot doesn't deserve equal rights or to be treated equally, uh, that's I have a big problem with that. And also, I feel like that kind of attitude is really not healthy for a group. And with acapella, you know, besides the whole idea that music is supposed to bring people together and stuff, uh, I feel like acapella is a you know, sometimes even a better example, and uh, don't tell my teachers I said this, but even a more better example than choir in that you have people, um, like Brian said, you know, they had someone who's like a straight up vocal performance major who's just, you know, amazing. And they have people who, uh, you know, there's other people who I've had in my groups who don't know how to read music, but they have great voices and they can hold their part really well. So it's this idea of, hey, regardless of your like, quote unquote, classical skill, you know, this is a place where we bring that all together and make a cool product. So... Brian, I'm posing this pretty difficult question to you in regards to somewhat radical political ideas that border on discrimination. You know, am I supposed to just kind of if this guy auditions for the group and he hits all the check marks and he's exactly what we need, but maybe he might make a future member or member who's coming in who might be gay, uh, uncomfortable with his viewpoints and make them not feel safe or welcomed. Is that a reason? Is is it okay to not let um this person in so just to kind of start i'll say that i was a member of my college acapella group from 2008 to 2012 mm. now since 2012 i'll say definitely things have kind of evolved in the sense of you know everyone being uh, more open to the things they discuss on social media and mm -hmm. online and things like that so it's a it's a slightly different time even you know yeah. from those years ago when I was in a group but um something that I'm glad we uh once we started doing our auditions that really came into the picture was when we were looking at new members we looked in every way 
is this person a good fit for the group? Now, mm-hmm. that's not just um, relating to their vocal capabilities, but, you know, personality. I yep. can uh, think about back to a time when we had, um, I think it was maybe my third or fourth year, we were doing auditions and we actually invited, uh, we actually had an alumni at that time. She came back and helped us with, you know, the process of holding people in the waiting room and getting them, them to fill out forms and things like that. Mm-hmm. And smart. she literally came in uh, before one of the auditions, he's walked in, she was like, hey guys, I'm gonna let you know that, you know, this person's coming up, but, you know, I'm just, the personality is not there for me, you know, they're just kind of mm. being a bit stubborn, they're, you know, they're thinking they're, you know, they're all that, and they're thinking they're all, they're, they're this great even before they come in an audition, so mm-hmm. it's something to keep in mind, and uh, let me know if you guys are getting that same feeling, and, you know, sure enough, later on when we, we, went through the audition process, that person actually got a call back and it came down to deciding between that uh, particular uh, auditionee and someone else. And we went with the other candidate Mm -hmm. just because they just weren't a fit in that sense for our group. Yeah. So I think when it, when, you know, when you start looking at, you know, the, um, the different qualities of a person, whether that, that be their, you know, their, if you look at race or gender or sexual orientation or the religious affiliation or anything like that, um, you know, it has to be a good fit for the group. And are they also able to, if they're very uh, vocal on social media with their political ideas and things like that, are they able to tone that stuff down? That's not going to paint the group in a bad light. Yeah. Um, but Because at the end of the day, the group always has to come first. Um, it's about the collective, not just the individual um, and, you know, you can't have anyone in the group that's really going to be painting a bad picture of the group because that's going to affect your ability to get gigs. That's going to affect your reputation on campus. Well, other groups will even want to be, um, you know, affiliated with you at the end of yeah. the day. So yeah. um, I can I can be open to somewhat radical ideas because everyone's entitled to their own opinion um, as long as there it doesn't hurt the group at the end of yeah. the day. Yeah, I think the argument that comes up a lot is just like, um, you know, it's like freedom of expression or freedom of speech to the point where, but if it's infringing on someone else's right to freedom of any kind, right. then it's not actually freedom of speech. It's just discrimination. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And I think, I, you know, I think you're totally right in regards to, I had a similar situation in my last semester with Timberman going into the year. We had it down to two different tenors. Um, and one, uh, they were both freshmen. Uh, so, you know, they're both in a scary new place. And one was uh, kind of meek, kind of shy, not, not super organized, you know, wasn't exactly sure when his audition time was a little, just kind of not just you know a little uncomfortable in his own skin and that's part of growing up that's fine right uh but the other person um who auditioned uh the other tenor we were choosing between uh was very you know i remember i honestly i remember he like when he came into the audition room he looked me in the eye shook my hand it was a very like if i was doing like a job interview and i was interviewing him he made a like that alone he made just a solid impression he was confident he and both these guys were great singers and that was kind of tricky uh the one we did end up going with was the more confident one though because we kind of thought um not just even in terms of stage presence but just in being like a fully uh, mature developed individual who would feel comfortable expressing their viewpoints if they had an issue with something, if they um, weren't sure how something went rather than being, you know, too reserved. And I'm not saying like 
quiet people shouldn't be in acapella because we took another person that year who was uh you know much more reserved but very thoughtful and whatnot but it came down to someone who was you know not just organization in terms of someone who was more on top of their stuff but someone who was just more confident and more um who i felt that confidence would instill uh the group with a better sense of of group confidence his confidence made the group more confident and i felt um you know, because I, I was leaving uh, that's that next semester, I graduated in December of, of 2015, and I felt comfortable having someone who is very sure of themselves and very uh, like an upstanding guy who I knew would uh, present the group in a good light. And the other guy who didn't get in, great singer, um, and I don't think he would have painted, painted the group in a bad light, but I just felt uh, more confident in the other guy. Everything he did was just more confident. So I think um, and, and you've kind of helped me realize this, Brian, I think, you know, looking at this stuff kind of like, you know, almost like a job interview who is, yeah. uh, it's, and I don't think that's a bad way of looking at it. You know, you, I, if there are people who, when they interview for a job, if they have all the right credentials, but maybe they're pretty big headed or it's the opposite and maybe they don't think they can do anything right. Those will be a factor and those will impede their ability to, they was, could possibly impede the ability to do the job. Right. So I think yeah. the, I don't think it's by any means wrong to consider someone's personality. Uh, the trick is like when it, uh, and I've seen this with some groups um, who shall remain unnamed, but the the <laughs> other side of this is um, like the extreme is to the point where the group itself is very clicky. And if someone doesn't kind of fit in your kind of, you know, I don't want to say popularity click, but your vision and if your vision of what like a cool person is or a successful acapella person is like is narrow and your um, sense of if they're cool enough or if they fit your mold enough uh, overshadows their um, what you think of their voice, that can be an issue. And I've definitely seen that with some groups who it felt when I auditioned for them, it felt more like I was and I was in a fraternity. I remember this one group I auditioned for, uh, it felt more when I auditioned for that group, it felt more like rushing a fraternity than it did when I actually rushed a fraternity. It felt very like, are you a good fit for us or whatnot? So that's, you know, I, I think, I think you, I think you put it well in that it's, you know, it's important to just what's going to work best for the group. And I yeah. think approaching it on a case by case basis makes a lot of sense rather than just uh, having a, the perfect, I mean, it's good to have an idea of what you want, but I think this can all be summed up in uh, something my old choir director told me in that he said the best choirs don't necessarily have the best singers. They have the people who are going to put forth the best work and the best product. So, I mean, that sounds exactly what you were talking about in terms of you having someone say, hey, I'm not certain about this guy. And that's that's a really smart idea, just having an alumni kind of, uh, you know, someone who's because the alumni who you said was like helping people fill out forms and stuff, they were not sitting in on the actual vocal audition. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. She was just uh, helping us with everyone and like in the lobby area and stuff. I think that makes a lot of sense because when, you know, when I watch people audition or when you watch people audition, you're trying to take in all these different things in terms of both the personality, both their voice and how they present themselves, all this stuff. But just having one person who is just there to observe, like, you know, who are they as a person? And you can, you know, obviously you can't necessarily get to know a person super well by just watching them in a waiting room, but having them interact. This is how you fill this stuff out. Like, it's the age old thing of like, uh, when you go on a date with someone, how do they treat the waiter? Like as silly as that sounds, it's like, how do they handle themselves in different situations? So I think having right. someone not just as like a logistical point person, which makes a lot of sense, having someone who can just focus 
on reading the person. That makes a lot of sense to me. And honestly, now I'm going to, I'm definitely going to keep that in mind when doing auditions uh, this coming August. Cause I think that's a really smart way to figure out who someone is and if they'll fit into the group, like we've been talking about. Right. And then just to add on to that is yeah. an audition is a, a very short snapshot of what of who a person mm-hmm. actually is. And you and you can look at it from a good perspective, bad perspective. Sometimes everyone's not giving 100 percent of themselves through yeah. uh, during an audition. You know, sometimes they're trying to put on a good face or, you know, sometimes they're really shy when maybe they're not really shy when they're around people yeah. that they come accustomed to at the end of the day. Um one of the big things that uh, I loved about being an acapella group um, was uh, when you meet new people and you have them in the group for a while, eventually the group helps not only develop that person, but brings out, you know, mm-hmm. those inner qualities that maybe even that person didn't even know was there. Totally I'm like, we, I can think of two people who were huge contributors to our group during my time. And when we first met them, these were the shyest people. I'm like, you would have never guessed that these people could ever be like really sociable and, you know, be willing to put themselves out there. But, an audience, you know, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, you put them in front of the mic and, man, you, they turned in, into the world's greatest entertainer. And yeah. then give them a semester at the group and we're all best friends. They're, they're talking as much as everyone else and, you know, can doing everything like normal people. And it, you know, that, that stuff kind of comes out during an acapella group. The group helps bring out those qualities of people. Yeah. I think the idea of people growing in a group, I've definitely seen that. I remember it wasn't in my group, but seeing a girl in, um, the acapella, the all soprano alto acapella group in my undergrad, uh, what she said, I remember just one of the, I, I don't even think I ever, you know, spoke to her, but she was a very shy girl and I'd seen her around campus and I knew she was pretty shy and she auditioned for the group and she's, uh, you can tell she's very confident as a singer and very, and she does a great job. She was one of the most encapsulating soloists, uh, when the group performed. And I think, you know, it's, it's really cool to see, who someone is as a soloist and who someone is as a person and mm-hmm. what what those kind of uh, give and take to one another. I absolutely agree. I remember, honestly, one of my favorite moments being in Timberman wasn't when we were performing at all. We were on our retreat and we were all like, you know, in sleeping at um, in my friend's basement out in Seattle. And I remember just like someone was like, oh, yeah, man, getting excited for Fallout 4. And I was like, dude, I'm excited for Fallout 4. And then everyone in the room was like, oh my gosh, Fallout 4. And that's, you know, we didn't audition them based on if they knew who the character Dogmeat or who the overseer was from Fallout 4 or anything. But it's, it was super, I think the pinnacle of, you know, group bonding is when you can uh, really relate to each other on when you have these deeper interests. Because then I feel, I mean, a group works better when you're best friends with everyone. And that doesn't mean when they audition, they have to be your best friend. But if you have a healthy group and you have the right people, those can grow. And I, I mean, just sitting there in the basement talking about fallout Four, not even worrying about music, just talking about, you know, the nerdiest thing we could think of was such an important moment for me. And because of that, I was more, I was more invested in my individual relationships with everyone. And then because of that, I felt, I felt all of us were just like 5% more invested in the group as a whole. So it's, I don't think people should underestimate getting the right people for your group. It's always important to review and make sure that you're not being exclusionary based on mm-hmm. like too exclusionary. It's, you know, acapella is obviously exclusionary with auditions, but to be certain you're not excluding people based on too narrow of a model and being willing to 
learn from other people and let them in. So it's, you know, it's a balancing act. This whole thing is, is figuring it, out it is. what's the, what are the values for each of these? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you said it earlier and it, for some reason it didn't click until just now <laughs> with that last blurb you said, but being in an acapella group is a lot like dating at the end yeah. of the day. I'm like, you, you're spending all this time with the group. Um, mm-hmm. You're trying to um, ensure it's longevity by finding those common interests, just, yeah. you know, outside of even just the music alone. You know, some of my favorite memories is, like you said, when you found out your your uh, group member yeah. played video games, it's, you know, just finding, you know, being able to relate to some of my mm-hmm. uh, group members outside of just a singing aspect. That's what really kept a lot of people in the group yep. at the end of the day, yep. you know, giving them more than just six hours of rehearsing music a week. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember, um, I know I mentioned uh, earlier, Mountain Horns definitely this semester had some commitment issues. I remember like after our, one of our earlier meetings, we all found out we loved SpongeBob and we were talking about like <laughs> arranging a SpongeBob medley. And then that became just like an inside joke for the rest of the semester. And even when we yeah. had issues, even when people weren't showing up to rehearsal or people were forgetting about rehearsal, uh, I think had we had more of those moments of uh, you know, let's arrange SpongeBob, let's do Manly Men or whatever. That stuff, because we had some of those moments, I think that made our semester just a bit better. People, because people don't just become invested in like a musical ensemble, they become invested in each other. And then they realize right. partway through, they are invested in working with each other and making, because the group doesn't function without each other, as, as kind of obvious as that sounds. If uh, I don't, you know, if I'm not relating to people in mountain horns well, and it just falls apart that it's not going to come back next semester. It's not a class like a choir where even if everyone graduates, there's still a system for new members to filter in. Uh, so I think when people connect to each other in an acapella group beyond the music and have that deeper relationship, um, it becomes a much, uh, what do you call it? They become more committed to the group, to themselves and to the idea of acapella as a whole. So it's, it's pretty inspiring stuff and it's pretty fun. No, I agree completely. Yeah. Boom. We are going to take one more quick break here on Tacapella. We've been talking to Brian Alexander all about auditions and just some really fun stuff that's really intrinsic to, you know, the heart of what makes Acapella fun as a whole. So we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. Brian, do you want to tell us what we're about to listen to? Yes. So this next track is a collaborative track from the CASA-sponsored event, Texas Acapella Celebration. It is a cover of Magic by Coldplay featuring a bunch of different and amazing groups.
Listening to community supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where every instrument is portable. <laughs> 
And we are back here on Tacapella. I'm John Lampus talking with Brian Alexander. We've been talking a lot about new groups and group membership and what it means to be an acapella group member and the benefits you can get out of that and kind of the heart and soul of acapella. And uh, frankly, this is a pretty heartwarming episode, in my opinion. It's pretty great. And I've learned a lot. And I think Brian's learned a lot. And I think, uh, you know, all about sharing all this acapella knowledge and discussing it and analyzing it. That's the whole point of Tacapella. So, uh, Brian, if you had one piece of advice that you could give to uh, either someone starting a group or someone who is in the early stages, uh, like their first semester, or their second semester, or first year after finishing a group, like what would you, what would you, what piece of advice would you give them to like a newly formed kind of fresh uh, acapella group, rookie group? Yeah. So um, I think the biggest piece of advice I would give someone who might be starting a group or looking to get something off the ground or going, and it actually took me the longest time to realize this, was that your reason, and I hinted hinted at this actually earlier, um, your reasoning for being the group and your reasoning for wanting the group to succeed may not be the same as other people's. And that affects a great deal of how you know things happen in the group uh, from the way some members contribute from the some of the gigs you'll take to sometimes you know just having council gigs because other people will prioritize things mm-hmm. other uh, differently so I think when as soon as you're able to realize that and you're able to structure your group in a way that works best for the mm-hmm. people who are willing to you know spend hours working on arrangements or people who you know, just want to be the social chair, things like that. Once you can find people's specific um, niche in the group, as well as the best way that they can give of themselves to the group, Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as you realize that it'll make your group, you know, go so far at the end of the day, and it'll just lead to the success. And, you know, basically it'll keep you from (laughs) from the people who are running the group from stressing out at the yep. end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely agree. And I wish I had had that piece of advice when doing mountain horns earlier this year, recognizing that everyone wants something different out of that. And I think the best way to facilitate that kind of stuff is just talking with the group members like, Hey, what do you want out of this? And you can do that in auditions. You can do that just when you're walking to rehearsal. So I think, I think that's a really good point. Cause I think it's really easy to assume that everyone wants to like be the greatest acapella group ever or to redefine acapella on like a large scale for your campus so having those discussions i would absolutely agree i can think of no better way to wrap up this episode um than with that point so uh that's pretty much it for acapella today uh brian if people want to get a hold of you see what you do acapella wise how could they do that yeah, so I'm going to try and plug all of these really quickly. So uh, my personal one, if you ever care to see the videos I post on acapella or anything about my general day-to-day life, you can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore A05. That's my personal account. And then outside of that, the biggest, most proudest and most coolest thing I'm doing by far right now is a website called College Aka. You can find that www.collegeaka.com as well as on Facebook. Just search for College Acapella. There we discuss the latest and greatest about college groups, uh, college acapella news, great videos, and we have a really cool uh, typically weekly video segment called Acalive where we feature groups. And they just come and take over our Facebook for nice. you know about an hour or so. And then outside of that, I also sing in a semi-pro acapella group based out of Utah. We're called Inversion, you know, play on words there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you can find us at Inversion SLC. Just type that into Facebook. Cool. 
Sweet. Brian, thanks again so much for coming on the show. I'm going to follow you on Twitter right after this. Uh, this has probably been one of my most enjoyable episodes of Tacapella, just getting to dive into all this uh all this fun nerdy acapella stuff on like a really deep uh philosophical personal level so brian thanks again so much for coming on the show it was great to have you thanks so much for having me absolutely so everyone if you want to get a hold of me you can find me on twitter at john lampus you can find acaville at acaville radio uh that's it for tacapella this week thank you everyone for listening and for everything acapella stay tuned